0: Welcome to Faith FM. I am your host, Blake. I'm here with Rick. How are, hey, are you? Morning, Good morning. Blake.
1: Doing well. Doing well.
0: What are you thankful for this morning?
1: Well,. There's sometimes a lot of bad news around, but I'm really thankful for some friend, a very good friend who lives in New South Wales, who's battled tremendously hard with cancer for a number of years, and mm. has just been cleared. Really? Yeah, we found out yesterday.
0: That that is super good news. Top news. Absolutely yep. awesome. Excellent. Uh, and uh, wow. It was uh, yesterday I was here by myself, and I was a little, I was a little scared. I was, I was here. Magantha was in the other room, and it was just me in here by myself. But now that you're here, I feel safer.
1: Oh, <laughs> that's nice. I feel better. I feel better. Sorry I missed yesterday. We sort of got the wires mixed up. No, yeah, we did.
0: We, we did. We got the wires totally mixed up. Yeah. But, uh, but I'm glad you're here. We're uh, here now. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, We are excited for another uh, show on Faith FM. I I think today you've got the quiz, so we'll do that in a little bit later on. But I'm just thinking about some things that I'm thankful for. Um, You know, the Christmas season is uh, a time that I just absolutely love. Uh, I, I know that Christmas is not like the day that actually Jesus was born, but man, there's so many opportunities to just tell people about Jesus during the Christmas time that it would otherwise not be available. And I just, I, that's what I love about it. Like this is the time that people will actually listen. They'll actually go, Oh yeah. Okay. Let's, uh, uh, l- let's hear about this Jesus person. And, uh, you know, in the middle of the year in July, sometimes that's not always available. But when we're talking about the reason for the season during Christmas, it's, uh, it's a real opportunity to share the gospel, and I and that's I, I'm really thankful for that because uh, I've seen people's lives change for that. Yeah. You're listening to the Breakfast Joe podcast on Faith FM, positively different. All right, Rick. So what's happening with COVID? Yeah, look, um,
1: a young lad was charged something like thirty-five thousand dollars overnight, you know, yesterday uh, from going. COVID positive, knew it, went to a venue, did da da da. da. Um, and so we five big 30, ones. For not, yeah. So Whoa. A lot of money. A lot of money. And, and and I sometimes think, is is this some good news? Well, on in on Rhode Island, I'm thinking of teenagers now.
2: mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: They've actually built a shelter. They observed what was going on. This is a group of teenagers. They built a shelter for a five year old boy who uses a wheelchair after noticing he was getting wet continually while waiting for his bus. Wow. That's, so It's just teenagers. Just, and, and, and just coming together. Compare and contrast. I just thought, how, how helpful is that? Because I, I, I guess sometimes in society we, we forget what it was like when we were teenagers. You know, we mucked around and all that. And, and, yeah. and, and the sort of bad news, bad news, bad rub with, with a lot of young teenagers. But here's, here's an interesting conversation where they actually saw a need and mm. said, we can do this. So they they got a group of people, they just organized the whole thing, and there's a whole story with it, but now this young person has a full shelter, you know, yeah. like you sit in the bus shelter? You know, yeah, right, right. For his wheelchair. Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So he just gets to sit there, not, like, Rhode Island, too, it'd be cold there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, yeah. Yeah, the rain, it'd be probably snow in Rhode Island nothing, as well, yeah, too, yeah. The, the whole thing. When? So...
1: I just think um, the five-year-old had to battle rain, wind, and snow for Mm. about 15 minutes every day using only a patio umbrella as his protection. And I've got a picture of it there. Yeah, the folks can't see it, but it's like, oh. (laughs) Oh, that's cool. That's super
0: cool. So teenagers built that.
1: They, yeah. they, they organized it and built it Wow! And got help to do it. But, right, right. But the thought process is what grabbed me. I just yeah. thought, how, how, how valuable is that?
0: Basically, like these are young people who realize, hey, we can make a difference That's it. in our community. That's it. You know, that reminds me of uh, a movie called It's a Wonderful Life ah. uh, with uh, Jimmy Stewart or James Stewart from back in the day. 75 years ago today, the, that movie came out uh, and this is a crazy thing. So, this is basically a movie about, um, it's, it's a Christmas movie about a guy who he doesn't think he's making a difference. So, he's, he's gonna commit suicide. He's gonna jump off a bridge. And then his guardian angel says, Hey, hold on. Let's have a look at what your life would be like, right? And in this movie, uh, his community is so much better off because of him and, and what he has done in the community. So he decides to not jump off the bridge, basically. Oh, spoiler alert. But yeah. it's been out for a while, so if you haven't seen it, it's 75 years, not my fault. Um, that's on you. Uh, but basically, uh, it's really interesting. <laughs> they had a clerical error um, in the copyright. And so the, so this movie was not as popular when it first came out, but they had this clerical error. And now because of that, the copyright expired and Uh. now annually it's shown on TV every single year because everyone has rights to it because the copyright is gone. So is that, is that a mistake or it, or is that, yeah, a little Christmas miracle? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah. So that, that movie and uh, apparently it was like nominated for five Academy Awards as well too. And it's an old movie, but. It still holds, still holds its own. Seventy five years to the day later, it's still a wonderful, wonderful movie, day. wonderful life. So check it out. Funny movie, well, not so funny. There are funny parts in it, but it's it's actually just a profound concept. Have to watch it, Have yeah. to watch it. So what? El- uh, what else you got for us, Rick? What are some other really, stories? Really quick
1: one. Mm. Um, it's been revealed which is you, you might have a guess at this or me. It's been revealed which Australian town has been the most generous in giving its money and donations to causes in twenty twenty one. Ooh. Ooh. Which which town in Australia? <laughs> can I tell you? <laughs> Again, it's like it's not Newcastle. <laughs> no. Go fund me's annual Year in giving reports. What, I want
0: to I want to guess. Okay. Okay. If I were I'm going to say Melbourne.
1: Nah, very cold. Oh, cold. North, go north, go north, go north. Cairns? Go south, slightly. (laughs) (laughs) Brisbane. Uh, In between. (laughs) GoFundMe's annual year in giving report shows a Queensland town is the most generous based on donations per capita, and it's Harvey Bay. Harvey Bay? I haven't even heard of Harvey Bay. Coastal City. Coastal City, top the list. And... I didn't even know, but I read this. My wife comes from Mackay, and that t- that came second in the nation.
0: Wow. So Queensland is just like... Queensland's are doing it. Okay. We need to get uh, Faith FM uh, fundraiser happening <laughs> over <laughs> in Queensland. So if you're listening to Queensland, uh, don't be afraid to call uh, 1-800... Uh, what's, the, what's the 1-800 number there? Yeah, one 800 324 <laughs> and then we also have the one oh four nine one oh six four six six nine. So, uh, thanks, Queenslanders, for making a difference on GoFundMe. That's awesome. I had actually, no idea about that. Yeah, I didn't either. Actually, I wonder what that is. You know, it's probably the sunshine. It's just so much beautiful sunshine up there. It just it, makes you go. You it, know, what? I just want to give back a little bit.
1: It could be when I go home. Um,
0: I'll Are you it. from Queensland?
1: No, my but my wife is a Mackay girl. Oh, right,
0: right, right. So right.
1: second in second in the country. So hey, two. Town, they're probably three, four hundred k's apart, maybe a bit more than that. No, they'd be more than that, eight hundred. But two towns, coastal towns in Queensland. I'm a real hard-die New South Welshman, particularly with sports and stuff. <laughs> so now I have to eat humble pie and recognise.
0: <laughs> in the Super Bowl of donations and, yeah. <laughs> and gift-giving, you have failed. <laughs> I have failed miserably. <laughs> All right. Sorry, New South Wales. We've got to step up our game. Yeah. Uh, we we need to let's make twenty two twenty twenty two the year of giving in New South Wales. Yeah. Let's do that. Yeah, yeah, I like that. We got coastal cities here. Yeah, many we of them. Got people who can give back. Hey, I've got a a, a quick story here. Uh, I'm looking at the time. We may not have time for it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go for it anyway. So this is a crazy story about uh, a pilot uh, seventy eight years ago today. These two pilots were sworn enemies, and they this. Basically, it was the first time uh, Charlie Brown, Charles Brown, uh, he had flown a successful mission. Uh, his plane was shot up the, the ye old pub in World War II. And it was so damaged, uh, almost everyone was either killed or wounded. And as the, as the pilot Brown is flying, uh, Franz Stigler, the Luftwaffe pilot, he who had he was an ace with 27 victories. He sees how destroyed and messed up this plane is, and he inexplicably uh, decides to escort the plane mm. over enemy territory uh, so that the plane can fly home. And later on, uh, the Luftwaffe pilot Franz Sigler basically made the statement that I did it because I had never seen a plane so destroyed and tattered. Wow. And so this little, I think of the Grinch's heart at Christmas. It was like a heart that was 10 times too small. But then he sees this thing and his heart just grows a little bit and goes, you know what? I don't want to kill this plane. I'm going to let it go. So uh, it's an interesting little Christmas interesting. story uh, there about World War II and things happening. Uh, there's a couple more details, but I think we'll get back to those a little bit later. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We have. I want to finish that story though. Yeah, yeah. Talking about some wild cats.
1: <laughs> well, I've got a story about some dogs. So. Okay,
0: okay. Afterwards, we'll do that. Well, so look, the the story about the the airplane right it goes farther. Uh, so pilot, there's, there's a, the Brown pilot Charlie Brown. What a cool name. World <laughs> War Two. He he's Peanuts. uh. He, <laughs> yep, that's right. He's uh, flying his B seventeen. The uh, called Ye Old Pub and uh, apparently, the front and the back of the plane are completely shot off. It's just basically gliding, right? Uh, which I don't even know how that's possible, but that's uh, that's what's going on. And anyway, uh, the Stigler, the uh, the Lutwaffe pilot, he flies alongside. He's already he already has an ace with twenty seven victories by that time, but he sees a plane, and for whatever reason decides, you know what, we're going to fly this plane to the ground, okay? And we're going to keep him safe. So he escorts the plane out of German-occupied territory so that uh, Lieutenant Brown can actually land safely, the pilot. But here's the crazy part. So so Brown's superiors, basically, they keep the incident a secret. So he gets back, and they're like, don't tell anybody about this. No, But decades later, after a search, Charlie... Charlie Brown located the German pilot and the pair actually meet 50 years after the incident and they develop a friendship that lasted until Stigler's death in 2008. So, isn't that crazy? Wow. Apparently, uh, Stigler had immigrated to Vancouver, Canada, and Charlie Brown was living in Seattle. So, that's only they were only living like 200 miles apart, so they weren't even very far apart. And he uh, basically wrote in. Uh, to a magazine about the story and said, I'm looking for this pilot if anyone knows. And Stigler actually responded. So, but Stigler says, so the, the German pilot says, he recalled the words of one of his commanding officers, um, Gustav Rodol. And, and the officer said, If I ever see or hear of you shooting at a man in a parachute, I'll shoot you myself. Oh. So Stigler figured it was the same situation saying to me, it was just like they were in a parachute. I saw them and I couldn't shoot them down because they'd already basically, they were just like, it was over, right? They yep. couldn't fight anymore. Yep. So Brown believed that his commanding officers kept a secret because, well, someone decided you can't be human and be flying in a German cockpit, right? So because of their, their ethnic, you know, dispute, right? The, the enemy like, nah, humans can't be German pilots, but apparently, you know, he was. And, and this, this, beautiful story of humanity and kindness there is happening and, and, and in the middle of one of the most difficult tragic wars of all time you know world war ii anyway he's finally able to find stigler after years of trying and he writes this letter to the combat pilot association and then they meet up and then the incident was later written about in the biographical novel called a higher call so if you want to read more yeah. about that story yeah check it out a higher call. I just thought that's a feel-good story. story. Yeah. yeah. So, so that happened, if I'm not mistaken, that was 78 years ago today. Wow. So that's today a long time. In today yeah. in history. Yeah, yeah
1: absolutely. Yeah.
0: Do you have any other good news stories Look, for us, Rick? I,
1: I, I'm a canine lover.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we were talking about the cats. Now we're talking about the dogs. <laughs> the dogs. Hit us with it. Um, I didn't
1: realize that uh, in Italy that uh, canine dogs were trained as lifeguards. Really? For rescuing. Okay. So it says, move over poor control, <laughs> P-A-W, <laughs> P-A-W that is, make way for the Italian School of Water Rescue Dogs. Um, the Milan organization has been t- patrolling Italian beaches for over 30 years with over 400 fully trained and certified life dogs. Wow. Who save, grab it, about 30 lives a year.
0: Just by dog paddling?
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They use the dolphin system in which a handler holds onto the dog's harness as the dog swims out to the person in distress, and they've uh, incorporated all these other factors into it. But the dog, I've got a picture of folk folks can't see it, huge dog pulls the rescue along with them, and they get out there much quicker, and the dogs have much more energy in, in, in the way they go. Wow. So 30 people's lives a year. just. So I'm just thinking, I did surf life-saving as a young kid here on the beaches in New South Wales. Mm. I wonder if we'll ever...
0: Have some dogs. What kind of dogs are they? they oh, they've got to be big. They, I can't oh, yeah, imagine chihuahuas would be like, just, like, nah, scooting out over there. No, it's not, it's not
1: work. Uh, you, I'll show you, but, you, yeah. They're, oh, they're, they're, boy. They're, 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 they're big dogs. They're so. like horses with yeah, fur. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, Those are huge dogs. So so I just wonder if other places might adopt that. I mean, if you get a big surf in Australia, you get those big waves, you know, pull a dog. Pull That's true. That. But, hey. Yeah, like you said, a Chihuahua might not do it, but a Fox Terrier would have the energy. So maybe they need to breed in breed. We need to get a surfing dog. Okay, I love that.
0: Uh, get a, maybe uh, I, all I can imagine is like a whole bunch of dogs, like in a like you know behind a carriage where you have all the horses yeah, like yeah. pulling the carriage. You just have a whole bunch of little Chihuahuas just hooked up to a harness, and you're just uh, uh, water skiing behind it or something. Oh, I think it'd be fun. I've got this, this is another cool story I've just found. Um, it's the world's first 3D printed house made of local raw earth and it closes the roof with the dome. So, uh, it's inspired by the Potter Wasp and they kind of look, check this out, Rick. Look, (laughs) look at, look at what this looks like. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's, it looks like a little mud dauber home basically, but, but really pretty, um, with the light and they've got like a little, it kind of looks like a bean bun. You know those little bean buns that you get at the buffet, uh, which I love, by the way. And if anyone wants to send bean buns to Faith FM, <laughs> just uh, go ahead and text 0491064669. We can hook you up with an opportunity to send us some fresh bean buns because I love those. Anyway, the, the house here, it is uh, an Italian architecture firm. They use 3D printing uh to make the dome beehive like structure of a house out of zero emissions clay in the hope of showing the heights of sustainability uh which can be reached with technology so essentially um like a wasp's home yep and it definitely looks like that it does. 100%. The houses are made using the clay from wherever they're actually being built. So you they it's, don't even need yep. you don't have to bring anything in, you now just I go to the it spot itself, yep. exactly and then uh it also means Nothing has to be knocked down. Uh, the only waste is the plumbing gas and electrical components, but everything else is zero emission one hundred percent and and because clay is such a good uh, um, insulator, I guess it is like they don 't have to worry about air conditioning yeah. they don 't have to worry about uh, you know changing the the temperature inside the home it 's just beautifully beautifully um, temperature and Mario. Cuccinella, she's the architect there from italy she says that the idea of the city must be challenged and their contender is a modular series of clay pods uh not outside of place inside the great enclosure in zimbabwe so i i thought it was kind of cool my wife's from zimbabwe and so this is kind of like they get their idea from some of the clay homes that are in zimbabwe and it's a method called tekla which is short for technology and clay So, I don't know, how would you feel about living in a clay pot, Rick? I don't know, I'm just thinking, of uh, watch out for wasp communities.
1: (laughs) Absolutely, (laughs) yes.
0: Like, what if giant wasps came, like the Japanese ones? (laughs) Woo, that'd be scary. Go.
1: You get these multiple houses of of just those sort of, folk can't see it, but you can get online and have a look at it. Yeah, yeah. But whole communities, it's basically self-sufficiency again yeah fully using what you've got
0: complete self-sustainability um and i like the idea of of using clay of the area that you're living in i mean that's definitely good news so um i'm i'm excited about that and it's so biblically too clay is mentioned so much in scripture in the the molding and that's yeah uh, hey let's get some clay homes going on i wonder do we have clay in australia Oh, yeah. I, I don't know much yeah i think we do yeah let's let's hook it up with some clay pods here in australia you're listening to the breakfast
2: Joe podcast on faith fm positively different
0: uh i'm if i'm not mistaken i think we're about to just dive into an interview is that is that happening is he on the line yes I has <laughs> <laughs> hey how's it going man
2: Really good, really good. To awesome, see you back on, on the show with you.
0: Yeah. Oh, excellent. We're happy to. Uh, we're happy that you're here with us here on Faith FM. So, it's Sven Ostring, and we are looking forward to uh, hearing from you today. What's happening your uh, your side of the world? Well, <coughs> your side of the country. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Um,
2: you know, the interesting thing is, diving straight into to our topic for today, um, there was some research done on Jimmy uh, from October 2021. So this is really, really recent. Mm-hmm. And the most played Christmas song is actually, um, it'd be interesting to actually take a quiz on this one, okay. but it's actually Mariah Carey's song, All I Want for Christmas is You. <laughs> uh, so, um, uh, which of course is a love song. Now, I went on to a, uh, another webpage and uh, they kind of did a play on that, and they said, "All I want to, um, from Christmas, all I want for Christmas, is a song that mentions Jesus." Mm-hmm. And and I think the thing is, um, Black and, and Rick, is that you know we look at what's happening uh, in society. You know, just even last night, last night I driving around and. Uh, looking at all the Christmas lights. But one of the things is we tend to focus on presents, we tend to focus on Santa Claus, we tend to focus on reindeer and gingerbread men and things like that. But the fact is this is that, see, Christmas is all about Jesus. That That's where it really goes goes back to. And um, and that's what I want to focus on uh, today. I want to really focus on this concept. Who really was Jesus? Mm. Uh, 'Cause what one time Jesus came back to um his hometown, uh, which was he grew up in Nazareth and he um he gave a presentation at his local synagogue, which is like his local church or um, you know, place of worship. And like really amazed like this is the boy that they knew and they go, like, isn't this the carpenter? Um because they knew him as the local lad. Uh, from the carpenter shop. Right. And the thing is today, <clears throat> Jesus isn't necessary. People don't go, oh, like, you know, Jesus is a carpenter, Jesus is a carpenter sort kind of thing. But today, a lot of people uh, in here in Australia would be saying, well, he might be a great moral teacher. You know, he was um, such an amazing wife, you know, he's a bit subversive, you know, just took on the religious establishment. But that's all he really was. You know, he just really was just a carpenter or a great moral teacher. And I want to ask the question, is that all Jesus is? Mm. Is Jesus something more than just being a carpenter and a great moral teacher? And I want to dive into the Christmas story to actually find out and kind of dig up some evidence for that. So you ready to dive in?
0: Yeah, I'm ready. Let's do some investigative journalism. I'm ready.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So the thing is this, uh, Blake and Rick. Right from the start, right from where he when he was born, what we find is that there were key features or aspects of Jesus' life that were prophesied or predicted hundreds of years before he was even born, which is really amazing. It's really really cool. So, for example, uh, you've got Matthew. So Matthew tells us um, when he's writing the story, he says all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they'll call him um, Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, so let's go back into history. So uh, that was actually a message given to Isaiah in 730 BC. So think about that, 730 BC. Wow. And Jesus is born about 4 or 5 BC, 5 or 4 BC. So... That's seven hundred years before Jesus was born. Mm. Um, the the supernatural circumstance of Jesus being born was already in place. So, so that's Blake. That's, for example, that's like me saying <laughs> that you are going to start a new church in Raymond Terrace, <laughs> and I I talk about that in one thousand. 300
0: AD before oh, anyone took a boat to Australia yeah. before exactly. before America was the country that yeah. I'm from. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly. insane. So, yeah,
2: it's outrageous. So, so, so that that's really really amazing. So, but that's in the all okay. So so that's in yeah uh, in the um, the first chapter, the first section of Matthew. But then you go to the next section, and what you find is. There's these these guys who are who are wise men. They're astrologers. They're they're studying all the ancient kind of scrolls and all that kind of stuff. And they come from um, from the area of Babylon. They they come from that kind of area of the world. They come all the way across the desert desert, and they come to Jerusalem. And they ask. They say, "Hey, we we've we've had these um, signs that the king of the Jews is is going to be born, and we want to find him." And so everybody's like upright. They go like, where's the new king of the Jews? And the king of um, Herod is all sort of like jealous and worried. And he goes to the priest and the priests tell him, uh, give him this prophecy. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. So they said, um, Jesus is going to be born in Bethlehem. Now, he, here's the catch, yeah. uh, Blake and, and Rick. Is that Joseph and Mary were residents of Nazareth? So, if you're residents residents of Nazareth, where are you going to take your baby to be born?
0: Nazareth be General Hospital. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. you
2: got insurance. Yeah, exactly. And and if you've got insurance, you go to Jerusalem, right? You wouldn't go to this little village called no. Bethlehem. So, so At how to back a bird. Exactly, exactly. So the thing is, this is that the way that this was all orchestrated was, okay, over in Rome, now think of this, over in New York, so, so you know, back home for you, yeah. uh, Blake, um, you know, or, or shall, shall I say Washington, D.C., to make it more. You've yeah, got they, Joe they've Biden. got similar
0: architecture, Rome yeah, exactly. and Washington, D.C.
2: <laughs> so, so, Joe Biden says, I'm going to order a census that sends everybody back home. So, yeah. Joseph and Mary go to Bethlehem, to fulfil a prophecy that was predicted seven hundred years before Jesus was born. I mean, that's that's stunning for me. That's really stunning. And and the thing is, guys, that's just two of the predictions about Jesus. Yeah. If you go through the Hebrew scriptures, what you find is there's over three hundred pre- prophecies or predictions that all pointed different aspects of Jesus' life. Now, some people may say, okay, well, didn't Jesus just, you know, he read about it and said, hey, I'm going to fulfill it so that people know that it's I'm the Messiah.
0: <laughs> yeah, but, but well, the thing some is... of it is tough to do when you're in the womb. <laughs> exactly.
2: It, exactly. You know, how, how could you orchestrate your birth, you know, while you're still being made inside, you know, Mary's um, uterus? How do, how do you do that, really? Yeah. Um, how do you organize so that you're... Ancestry goes all the way back to King David and Abraham. How do you do that? Mm. Um, and, and you still haven't, you know, been being born. How do you? How do you organize uh, for for you to be executed on a on a cross and to be, you know, all of those kind of things? This is amazing. So, and my question for you guys today is: is How many carpenters or teachers of ethics at local high schools? Have had that kind of prophetic mapping of their lives. Yeah, tell me, tell me. Yeah, yeah.
0: none.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and Sven, 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 just a quick question. Can I throw one in? Yeah, sure. Um, in the era of probability, just mathematical probability, what's the chance of all this coming together like it did?
0: Well, <laughs>
2: that, that's a that's a really good question. So, so what? Um, there was a guy called Peter Stoner, and um, he, he was a mathematician, a statistician, and he said. Okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to calculate the prophecy, uh, the predi- the, sorry, probability that eight of those 300 prophecies yeah. could be, um, predicted by random people and they all get it right. Yeah. And he said it, it's like covering New South Wales, mm-hmm. uh, with silver coins to the depth of about half a meter. And then I take you, Rick, and I blindfold you. I color one of those coins red. Um, and then I just go around and I hide that coin. I just mix it all up and then I give you the opportunity. You can wander around anywhere around New South Wales and then you have one, going. one chance yeah. to reach down, pick up a coin and you then unblindfold you and it has to be red. That's the probability. So it's really incredible
0: yeah that that's insane if i'm not mistaken uh he's from texas right peter stoner yeah uh, he's a mathematician in texas and he made his students actually figure out the probability he was like okay let's figure this out all together and they they got to they kept going more and more of the prophecies but they were basically they could only get to eight of the prophecies before the number was just so astronomical and ridiculous they just said now we can't go any farther. Yeah. It's just, nice. this is an insane number.
2: Exactly, exactly. But let me talk about so it. The second thing is the supernatural activity. So all throughout Jesus' birth, there was, there was supernatural activity all the time. So the archangel Gabriel came to announce his birth to Mary. The angel came to, to reassure Joseph. and angelic choir, wouldn't that be amazing, came mm-hmm. to, to announce his birth to shepherds. And then wise men came from the east. And then you have the angel that warned Joseph to, to go to Egypt. But that was amazing, and that continues all the way through Jesus' life. He's doing miracles all the way through. But then I, want, I really want to focus on this last part, and that is what was Jesus' real job? It wasn't to be a carpenter. It wasn't to be a great moral teacher. Um, the angel actually tells Joseph what is his real job. He says to Joseph, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This is the this is the key. That is Jesus' job to save people from their sins. And and notice the angel didn't say that he's going to be a great carpenter, he's going to be a great teacher of, of um, morals and ethics. Jesus came to save people from their sins, and and that is really good news, Blake, and, and oh yeah, you know yeah. We can talk about the probabilities and I love it. It's just amazing. But, you know, the fact is this, is that sin is what separates us from God. Um, we we are in the great, you know, um, catastrophe of what where our world is going because of sin. And God sent Jesus to rebuild his relationship with us and to save us from the consequences of sin. So... We have this great um, Christian missionary and um, theologian, Paul, and he tells us, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, and that is why Jesus died for each and every one of you who are listening to our show this morning. Jesus died on the cross for you and I. And and you might be saying, look, okay, I, you know, I love all those Christmas stories. They're, they're really great, you know, angels who put them up on our on um, a house, on a tree, but they, you know, that they sound like good stories. How do I know that they're actually true? And I want to say to you, if you want to know, if you want to have confirmation that Jesus can save you from not only your sins, but also death itself, you go to the end of the story, which is that three days later, after Jews died on the cross, he rose back to life. Yeah. Mm. And that—that's another whole topic, and I'd love to maybe in the new year we can do that. Uh, but this is what gives you hope and confirmation, because if Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and He rose back to life, and the history all points to that, then you can—you can rest assured that Jesus can save you from whatever situation you're you're facing in your life. You know, whether you're facing you know, depression or whether you're facing divorce or you're facing bankruptcy or or whether you just find, you know, life is meaningless. Or, or maybe life is so amazing, but you're wondering, okay, well, you know, when I come to the end of it, is there, is there going to be anything beyond this life? Well, Jesus' birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection all point to, to that. And I just want to wrap up and say, hey, is, is more than a carpenter he's he's your savior that's what the angel said so trust trust the the
0: true message of Christmas amen amen hey thank amen. you so much then that was uh that was incredible I, uh I love I loved the the probability of that and the the story of all of those uh, prophecies coming together and yeah he was much more than a carpenter he was much more uh, than a moral teacher he was our savior Yep. And uh, we really appreciate you uh, sharing with us, Finn.
2: Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.